Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Financial Podcast. My name is Barbara Ginty and I'm your host and also a CFP, which is a certified financial planner. And I'm also the creator of the online financial series, which can be found at www.planancial.com. And I have my guest here today, Rachel. And Rachel, tell us a little bit about yourself. So how much do you make and what is your job? So I work as a family nurse practitioner. I'm new to it and grateful to have a job. I just finishing school. And Congratulations. Thank you so how, much. How long have you been in it? I've been doing it for two full weeks. I just got wow. my first paycheck. Congrats. So this is well-timed to plan my finances. Perfect. Thank you. And I um, have negotiated a salary of $110,000 a year. High five for that. Yeah. Six figures. Oh, wait. It gets even better oh, because good. they paid my student loans for me. No, they didn't. As long as You were the first person. <laughs> this is like my biggest pet peeve. I always refer to the student loan vendors as the evil empire. Mm-hmm. One of the guests coined that for me. She also used an F-bomb in there too when it's... she referred to them. Fair enough. How did you get them to do that? Well, it's a promise to stay for three years. So if I leave and three out... three years is not that long. No, please. I'll be just getting started. Yeah. So if I stay for a year and then leave, I'll owe them two-thirds of the amount that they paid for me. But as it stands, I'm student loan free. That's a phenomenal. It's incredible. I mean, I feel like we should cheers to that. I... <laughs> so how, who came up with the idea of getting them to pay off the loans? Was that your idea or is this something they offered or? It was something that had just been discussed. I was in, it wasn't just a pure contract negotiation. I'm okay. familiar with the um, physician that owns the practice. Okay. And so we so had it's a private of, practice. It's a private practice and we were batting it around together and they want people to feel valued, to stay. Is The longer you're there and the more you like being there. Probably the, the better for the practice and the patients, right? Right. And the community at large. To see people come and go starts to feel bad after a while if you're a patient. Oh, I'm sure. So explain what a nurse practitioner is. Like, I think I know what it is, but I, I don't know that all of our listeners know. So it's not a, it's somewhere between, because, okay, so I know there's a, I'm going to sound, so I know personal finance. I know nothing about the medical <laughs> industry. So what's the difference between a PA, a nurse practitioner, and a doctor? Great. So that's a really common question is okay. the comparison of those 
the PA and the Is that MP. a good comparison or did I like really... Sh- no, like, it's the, to the okay. totally normal question. So okay. I'm glad that you asked it. It's probably a similar question that other people have. Okay. So a physician, of course, has gone to medical school. Okay. If they're board certified, they also probably went through a residency and took a big test. Okay. And it's expensive to go to medical school. Uh, very expensive. But it's a very thorough education. Okay. So you do... Because um, it's the four years undergrad and then it, how many... Four years... Mm-hmm. It's another four and then three years of residency. residency. Wow. So there's a lot of very scientific, what we would consider medical-based training, okay. right? Got then it. you do a residency under supervision and then you're a doctor, right? Wow. So a uh, PA does not have that extensive an education, both in breadth and depth. So okay. they're not in school for as long and they're... Um, field of study is not quite as intense as a physician's. Right. So they are always required to work under a supervising physician. That's why they're considered mm-hmm. a physician's assistant. assistant. Got exactly. it. Exactly. Okay. So you can't hang your own shingle as a physician's assistant. So you assistant. can't have your own practice or anything like that. You're always working with a physician. Right. I want to say, knowing some amazing physician assistants, that the best teacher is time and experience. So you could have the best medical program in the world, but you still come out looking like an idiot because I've worked with many first-year residents. <laughs> and you could have gone to just some regular old Mexico school or Mexico, uh, I mean, medicine school in another country or whatever, where people would say the standards aren't as high. People make all kinds of crazy arguments like that. But then, if you've been doing it for 30 years, you're probably great. Right. I think that comes down to a lot, like, I think it would be pretty similar. My sister is a lawyer and Mm -hmm. coming out of law school, no offense there, but I don't think you know a ton. I think it's more the experience. And I would say the same thing in our industry. Right. Like to, to sit down with people and see their finances and help them through it is a lot different than reading in a textbook. Exactly. And the real life scenarios are very different than the, you know, abstract scenarios that people give you out of a textbook. Oh, absolutely. I think they're way worse, aren't they? Well, it's certainly more complicated, (laughs) And But that's half the fun. So the PA goes to school, I think, and I don't want to... It's between two and four years. Okay. So, and then they launch right into practice. Got it. So a nurse practitioner was always a nurse first. There are some... And is that how you started? I started as a nurse. Right. So I was working as a floor nurse, as an RN. So an LPN is a licensed practical nurse, and they have a lot less um, privileges and responsibilities than an RN. Okay. So if you were doing like a hierarchy, they would be below below the RN. And then above the RN is an advanced practice nurse, which is what I would be considered at this point. Okay. So I have a master's degree in nursing and then an extra certification in family nurse practitioner. So it's cradle to grave. It's everything from pregnant women to Wait, cradle to grave? I never heard this. Yeah, cradle to grave. So I take care of people that are geriatric. I take care of new babies. I do pediatrics. I do regular adults. So it's a, yeah, it's all the things. Oh, that's so fun. Right. So, um, the nurse practitioner, I was a nurse first. So in a way I think of that as my residency. I was, and then what made you, so you were, how long were you a nurse for? I was a nurse for six years in a hospital wow. setting. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And then what made you want to, so you had to go back to school to get the nurse practitioner. I did. And is that where you got this, where you picked up some student loans or was it for? Yeah, I picked up the student loans after, I mean, in my graduate programs, right? Got it. Okay. But, um, the reason I went back is because I just felt like I could be more helpful. I wanted to be more creative. I was enacting the plan of care as a registered nurse, mm-hmm. so I would carry out the doctor's orders, but I didn't get to have much say in, in the, what the, the orders would be. Okay. Now, of course, I worked with certain physicians or physician assistants who absolutely let me contribute to that. And I asked a ton of questions and why are you doing it the way you're doing it? What do these things mean? And how are you proceeding? What are you ruling out? And I learned a lot, but I wasn't the one ultimately who it mm. fell upon. Made and it was decisions. so fun. I loved it. I had a great time. <clears throat> I almost feel bad that I moved on because it was really such a fulfilling role for me. But I do have the opportunity now to be more creative and to be more responsible, which is 
can be intimidating, but also is a really nice I would feeling. imagine it can be a little overwhelming at first. At first it is, but I'm really lucky. I have some great mentors. My okay. um, practice I work in is very supportive, so I'm really enjoying myself, and I think it's the right spot for me. Oh, that's amazing. Works okay, so you, so you just started. Now, did you do... When you were in school, so you were just in school prior to this. So you I took was a working full time, and I was in school wow. full time. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so you're working full time as a nurse still, right. and going to school. Yeah. That's impressive. It was a lot, and it's nice now to be able to come home at the end of the day and like read a book. Do you have almost so much time on your hand? You don't know what to do. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because the days are long. The longer, so my okay. first patient comes in at eight thirty, and my last patient comes in at five. Wow. So um, there's still a lot to it, and sometimes you're charting at the end of the day. I try to avoid that if I can, but it does not always happen. <laughs> It's been a lot of changes at once. I also just moved out of my house, so I sold okay. my house here. And um, now, moved. are you married or are you single? I'm married. Oh, married filing, filing a single. Married <laughs> filing a single. On okay. the taxes. On the taxes. Okay. Try to get that money back. And um, so you do married filing separate or? I file jointly at the end. Okay. But like we do our tax, like we get the withholding of a single. Oh, perfect. You do a withholding a single, but you at the end of it, you do married filing joint. Yes. Okay. I never want to be surprised by having to owe instead of getting money back. That's perfect. So you have them. So I always say it's nicer to get those small bites all year rather Mm -hmm. than a big bite at the end of the tax year. Exactly. Okay. So you both have withholdings as if you're single and then you file married filing joint. Right. Exactly. Perfect. And how long have you been married? I've been married for five years. Congrats. Thank you. That's a big one. What anniversary is that? Do you know? Oh, like. Like paper or something like that. Oh, I don't. Okay. Um, you're my first married guest. Thank you. I mean, yay. (laughs) Thanks for letting me be the first one. I'm going to have some married people questions for you. Good. Well, it's my favorite thing I've ever done. Oh, good. It's so fun. Okay. So you, you said you just sold your house. So you, you and your wife sold the house. That's right. So we have a unique situation where, um, my wife is a farmer or an aspiring farmer, had been working on farms, currently is doing a social work job, um, working at a ski resort, little this, little that, but aspires to grow food. Okay. And just so we say for listeners, because we normally, everything is really New York based. So we normally, um, differentiate between living in the city, which is different cost of living versus outside of the city. So you're upstate. We're upstate for sure. And, um, my parents were also looking to move to downsize their house. Okay. And so I thought it would up the price point for us to buy land if we all did like a family compound idea. Oh, awesome. Right. So my parents got That's really fun. I know. I'm so grateful for it. I love my parents. I enjoy hanging out with them. I do have the training of a nurse and a nurse practitioner. If they should need me in old age, they should need I some will care. make it up to them. I will You're, repay them. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's, it'll be a win-win. Did you tell sure. them this? Yes, they know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> also, I was around a lot of older people that wished their kids were there to help them or I wished their kids were there to help help them. So I want to be the kid that's there. So that's really nice. Yeah. And on top of it, we'll have nice, healthy vegetables and good food to eat. Because your wife will grow everything. Exactly. Okay, perfect. It's going to be awesome. Currently we're living in their home, which is super accommodating. It's a beautiful spot to be living and they have um, quite a large number of acres that we are going to use or not me. I'm not farming, but (laughs) that my wife will (laughs) use to farm and we're going to build a house. Wonderful. So new job, oh, new so you spot. Have, you have a lot going on. New house, right. Okay, so full plate. Full plate. That's why when I said, oh, you have extra hours, you're like, no, 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 right. no I do not have yeah. extra hours. And it's good to be here with you because I feel a little bit overwhelmed about how to proceed given that um, it's a unique situation. Absolutely. And I would like, you know, farming is one of those things that you can incur debt very quickly and it's hard to have a With profit. Equipment. Yes, right. it is. And so I would like to have the income that's being made by my wife continue to fund the farm 
until she's working there full time. And then for her not to be relied upon for income for to maintain our life. Got it. Okay, so you're going to be the breadwinner. Exactly. If, if you will. Okay, and so you're making the 110. Now, is that a jump up from what you were making before as a nurse? It is. Oh, can you tell me? Um, I was making, I think, $65,000 a year. Wow. So it's so almost double. Almost double. Mm -hmm. And you have no debt. And I have no debt. Oh, I love I have, We no have a debt. car loan that we have, I think, six, let me see. I wrote it down for us. 6000 left prepared. on. I know. I tried to prepare. <laughs> <laughs> so we have $6,000 left on that. Okay. So what's that? So go, let's go over high level your expenses. I know they're going to change a mm -hmm. bit depending on with, with uh, building a home. Right. But so right now, are you living rent free? I'm living rent free. Oh, I would love that. I know. I'm telling you, I'm just like in this perfect, beautiful little nest. <laughs> So are you, know, are you saving that money to try to build for the home or what's the, what's the plan? Okay. Definitely. And the thought that I had at first was I made um, just about $100,000 on the sale of my last home and I thought that I and would be able no to... And no capital gains on that. And no capital gains, right? Because think... primary residence. Exactly. Oh, wonderful. So I wanted to invest it and then okay. I realized that when you do a construction loan, you need 20% down, you need... Uh, a liquid asset in case it goes over. No. So I'm basically putting that money right back into the next house. Okay, perfect. Because I think we had talked about you have had some cash available, and I said before you do anything, you want to talk to a mortgage person and find out exactly what it's going to require. That was so instructive. Oh I am so grateful that I did that. Thank you. And you talked to this wonderful man. Um, I will let him remain anonymous for the time being, but I think he's going to be one of our guests. We're going to do a couple specials with um, – I guess the only way to describe it would be like a specialist in an area, but he's a mortgage specialist. Right. And so he went over with you how to do a construction loan, which is totally different than a mortgage. It's so different. And I had just had a mortgage and it felt, I mean, the process wasn't simple, but it ended out simple for me. And this feels like a much bigger project. You can't even get the loan until you have approved plans. So now you've had to pay an architect, architect out to of draw, pocket, right? Draw it out. You have to have percolator, like the perk tests. You have to have an engineer come and make sure that you can have a septic there. So there's a lot of out-of-pocket costs before a lot of work. you even... Right. A lot of work. Coordinating things. I'm having... In, Two nights from now, I'm having the architect and the builder come over and oh, you meet are. together. Okay, yeah. so tell me your vision. What's the plan for the house? Well, that's something that is probably going to develop from here. We have a lot of ideas, and okay. we've done the Pinterest and the HGTV, and <laughs> you can imagine, right? We know how we want it to feel. Feel, okay. But um, my question that to you, and what will determine kind of how the house looks in the end, is that my parents have done a very good job saving in their entire life. So mm -hmm. they have a lot of recommendations for me around saving money. Okay. And now, so let, let's just, um, I asked a lot of questions. Please do. Um, okay. So they bought the property. The property is theirs. And so it's deeded in both of their names. It's deeded in their names. And what they're doing is splitting off a piece of the property. They've had a surveyor come, draw Perfect. lines okay, I was gonna for ask. us, and then okay. we'll get the property for a dollar. So I am blessed beyond words. I don't deserve any of it, but no, this that's is the wonderful. circumstance that I'm in. I'm very, very grateful. And so, okay, so they're going to deed that property, and is that going to be in your name or you and your wife? Both. Both together. Names. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Joint deed. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so now you've already, you've talked to the mortgage person. Right. And he went over how the construction loan works. Yes, and then he went over how much he thought I could afford. Okay, let's talk about that. Right. Because he's very conservative, the Exactly. Person, so he person. told me what the bank would give me. Which, which is going to be much more than what he would probably recommend. Exactly. So that was an amazing recommendation you gave. And if people do have him on the podcast, he's worth listening to. Um, you know, he breaks it down in terms of what's realistic. Well, because the thing is, I feel like what happens um, is you go into a bank and they approve you for a mortgage that technically you can afford based mm -hmm. on your income, but that's on both incomes. And if none of your expenses change right. and realistically down the road, expenses could change 
for various reasons, like you decide to have kids or one person's not going to be working or something like that. And so then you're up to your nose in a mortgage and you don't have any wiggle room. And I think it's better as being married, you probably can give me some feedback on this, but it's probably better not to be financially strained. It's the number one cause for marriage exactly. failure, right? Yeah. Like that's the hundred percent is the number one reason that it's stressful, people, but have no wiggle room. No wiggle room. So I the reason I recommend it you speak with him is because he is realistic about what are your expenses going to be in the next twenty years. Because this is a long term investment. Oh yeah. It's great because in a way it's a forced savings plan because 100% you're paying. Forced savings. Exactly. You took the words right out of my mouth, <laughs> right out of my mouth, Rachel. Right. It's really, um, it's good to anticipate that things can change. It's mm-hmm. also important to remember that you don't want to trade your dream life for your dream house. A hundred percent. And I always so actually on our online class, I always say you don't want it your first home, and this is actually your second home, but even still, um, still I think it applies. You don't. It doesn't need to be your dream home. You want to have, I think, more your dream life. Right. And you don't need, necessarily need the dream home to do it. Right. Because if you have no other money, there's no vacations, there's no eating out. You better love that home. You better love it because <laughs> it's the only thing you're going to have. You better love that home and rice and beans. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. So my parents have recommended to me that I max out a 401k. So unfortunately, all the other benefits of my employer aside, he does not match any of my... Because it's private practice. Private practice. Right. And so smaller companies... Just to give the, the listeners an idea. So with smaller companies, they sometimes they don't even have a 401k. They just have a simple IRA. Do you know if he has a 401k? I believe it's a true 401k. Okay. But there's no match. There's no match. Okay. But my parents recommended that I max it out. So I looked it up. And for 2018, the max yearly is $18,500. Yes, that's correct. And that comes out to about $770 a, pay. a paycheck. But so do you know the difference, right? So that's going to go in pre-tax. So you're not going to miss 770 is that what you said? Yes. $770? Right. You won't miss that whole $770. Did you know that? I did not know that. Oh. I don't know exactly how it breaks out. Okay. So the way it works in um, the 2018 tax um, brackets have changed a little bit um, compared to 2017. But what happens is that goes in pre-tax. So mm-hmm. you're not paying any federal or state on that. So you're not actually going to – you'll put $770 into your 401k, and let's just say, depending on where you fall tax-wise, you might only miss 500 out of your paycheck. Oh, well, that would be great. It would be fantastic. Yeah. Because then you see 770 hit over here, and you only miss about 500 out of your paycheck. Great. Which is why your parents are suggesting you max it out. And in general, their idea is that the more you save now, the more you hundred So it's the power of compounding of interest, and I teach this in one of my classes, but would you rather have a penny doubled for 31 days or a million dollars if I was going to give it to you today? Well, something about me makes me feel like I should probably pick the penny. Yeah. <laughs> well, you picked the penny. That's correct. Because it works out to be ten around $10.7 million. Wow. I know. So the compounding of interest, which is 100% powerful, and why I'm so happy you don't have student loans and why I'm so focused on helping people with student loans because right. it works against you in that, in that arena. But so the way to think about it is the rule 72. So if your money makes 7.2% interest, compounding interest, Every 10 years, it doubles. So your parents are right because how about how old are you? 33. 33. So you have roughly another 30 or so years you're going to work. So that's going to be three doubles, right? So 33 to 43, 43 to 53, 53 to, six, 40, 53 to 63. Right. Maybe you'll retire at 65, but you get three full doubles. So it's key to max it out now because then you have all that time for your money to grow. Right. That makes sense. It does, and it sounds really good. But the idea, you know, unfortunately, building a house is so much more expensive so, than buying one. I was going to ask you what the what you think your cost is going to be 
for building it. So you so you have a hundred thousand in cash right now. I have a hundred thousand in cash, but that's basically going to be the twenty percent down. So say that was twenty percent. That's five hundred thousand dollar mortgage. So that's a half a million dollar house. house. You think that'd be a pretty beautiful house, but minus the hundred thousand for the infrastructure, because I have to build a road, build a septic tank, build a you well, have to put everything in. Bring the electric. Over. I was going to say to run the electric. You have to get the, the Do you have to put the the poles up too? Uh, it's underground actually, so okay. we have to figure out how to get, which I'm sure is more expensive. So that's a significant amount of money. The builder had said to me somewhere his estimate was between like seventy thousand dollars, but I'm accounting for a hundred because you know how things. Yeah, go. it always goes over. No, you definitely right. want to have a buffer. So then you have four hundred thousand dollars for house, but he's the industry right now. Unfortunately, is about two hundred to two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Uh, no, two hundred to two hundred fifty dollars a square foot. So let's say it's a four hundred thousand dollar house, which is my half a million dollar loan minus the infrastructure. Right. At two hundred fifty dollars a square foot, it's like fifteen hundred dollars, and that includes a fifteen hundred square feet, and that includes the garage. So I'm gonna have a half a million dollar money spent with a pretty modest modest sized house. house. Right, not not what you would picture for five hundred thousand. Certainly not the house that I just came from and at, at a you... much more reasonable price. Okay. So let's take okay, <laughs> so let's take a step back. So how much so you have no debt. Did your wife have any debt? No, it's just this uh we paid off the student loans this year for her. Okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. So no debt. Do you have any other savings besides the hundred thousand, even though that's a substantial amount of savings? Did did you do through when you worked in the hospital, did you do the four oh three B there? I had a four oh I mean they matched me in a four oh one K there. Okay. And I have um a twenty one thousand dollars in that account. Oh awesome. Okay, right. good. So you have another savings account. And I also have we both have a Roth. So my Roth Perfect. has um fifty thousand dollars in it and hers has about eleven. Great. So the Roth is what you do after tax. Right. And I love the Roth, but it's actually my favorite vehicle. Yeah. So it's fantastic. I like to always see people with a Roth. If I have a four oh one K, do I still do the Roth? You can still do the Roth if you wanted to increase your savings. Um at a certain point you're gonna as your income grows, you might not be eligible to do a Roth, but at mm-hmm. the current time you are. Um, so you could do both. But I think, I think, I know, you just, she just gave me a look like, you're crazy. <laughs> so no, I don't think that you need to do both right now. I think what the key is going to be, the house is going to be a great investment long-term. Interest rates are really low. It's your, you know, you're going to live on the same property as your family. I think it's a good idea. You already made money on your first property, right? $100,000, like that's more than you've saved. And that was, how long did you own that home? Did you make that type of money? Three years. Three years. I got lucky for the market. Yes. <laughs> and that can happen. It could go the other way too. Sure. But that was, a, I always think buying a home is a good investment. It forces you to save, especially now with low interest rates and you don't pay any ga- any uh, tax on the capital gain right. if it's within the certain parameters and you, and you meet the requirements for primary residence. So I would say, I really like the idea of you doing the Roth. I'd be fine with you taking a break from the Roth for the time being. Mm-hmm. Um, while you're saving, because you're going to continue to save now until you start to build a home, right? Because you're living with your parents. Right. And even if I took out the construction loan today, I don't have to start paying it until the home is finished. Okay. So, so what I- did they tell you when you went in? What did they recommend that you could get approved for? Well, the person that I spoke to that was pretty generous thought that uh, in terms, not he was generous with me, but he was conservative for the bank, bank, right? Okay, right. So his recommendation was not to go over a five hundred thousand dollar loan, which would uh, which would come to two thousand six hundred and sixty four dollars a month. Okay, and then do you know? I know you've only been doing it for two your two weeks mm-hmm. in, but do you know what you take home about? So I right now, without adding anything to the four hundred one k, I take home two seven three three fifty, so two thousand seven hundred dollars. Okay, and that's a pay period. 
per pay period, right? So that's tw do you get paid every other right? Twenty six pay periods or twenty four? Do you know? Twenty six. Twenty six. Okay. Mm -hmm. Good. Okay. So roughly, you're going to bring home five thousand four hundred a month, a little right. bit, and then you're going to have an extra. Um, so if you get paid twice a month, that's twenty four pay periods. If you get paid every other week, it's actually twenty six. Right. Okay. Perfect. So we'll give an estimate of fifty four hundred, but that's not with putting anything into the 401k. Right. And he said the loan amount will come to how much a month? If it was, so I would prefer that we try to work around the 400000 but okay. I think for the house I want, I should be realistic. It's the $500,000 um, loan, and okay. that's 2664 a month. Okay. So that leaves you with just about 2700 a month. Right. Now, that doesn't include, does that include any insurance? That's the property? insurance, the taxes. Okay, that's it does. A full, that's that's the full, a full thing. Uh, it's not the propane and the electric bill. The utilities. The food you eat food, while you're sitting yeah, in it, right? Yeah. But, yeah, and that's basically 50% of the take-home income. So that number starts to feel high to me immediately. Right, because that's without putting anything in the, and I agree with your parents, and maybe you don't need to max it out because you're going to have this asset of 500000 but you definitely want to be in the 401k right. at work. It makes sense to participate just because of your age and because you have good income. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. It might get a little, get a little tight right. initially. But now, so how does it work with your, so you just started out your new career as mm -hmm. a nurse practitioner. How does it work with, with the practice and moving up in salary? Do you know what the longevity is? That's how that a works? great question. And I think right now, in healthcare. And you're two, you're literally two weeks in, so I'm, I'm sorry to ask you It's to okay, I'm two weeks in, but thinking. I have talked about it. I have okay, thought good. about it. Um, because the interesting thing to go all the way back to the beginning of the conversation about a nurse practitioner is that unlike a physician's assistant, I can hang my own shingle. Oh. I can operate independently. So after 3,000 hours of practice, which is uh, just about two years of work, okay. I no longer need um, to be working under a physician. So you they can do your own thing. Okay. Exactly, which actually makes me a little more valuable. Mm -hmm. Now I can't bill at the same rate as a physician. So to the practice, I bill about 70% of what a physician bills. That's really, that's higher than I would have thought though. I think that's I, really good. But doesn't it make sense because most nurse practitioners are women and most doctors are men that I would get 70% <laughs> on the dollar? There's no male nurse practitioner. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to totally are and there's I'm not female gonna physicians. Lie. I but... like prefer a female. Sorry, right. male doctors and male nurse practitioners. I just laugh about that correlation, about the yeah, 70 because cents on the dollar thing. It's so true. Right. But I did that Mika Brzezinski, the grow your value, know your value mm -hmm. back in the fall, but a lot of it's about knowing your value. Yeah. And it, it's, yeah, unfortunately, there's there's not a lot of parity in, in various professions. Right. And truthfully, the amount of loans that a physician has coming out of medical school are higher than this. That's true. That's I very have. true. And honestly, their education is much more extensive and they deserve to be rewarded for that. But as time goes on, we said before, the true education is experience. Mm -hmm. And if I'm a capable practitioner, um, I'm very valuable to a practice. Oh, absolutely. See people efficiently. You have good outcomes. People are doing quality-based um, reimbursement now. So the better outcomes you have, the more valuable you are. So I anticipate that in the future, I would be able to renegotiate my salary. The tricky thing about healthcare is that the little guys are getting swallowed up. I was going to say, and I mean, not, not that that's what our podcast is about, but it seems like they're going towards the I almost want to call it a conglomerate. Where, I would say it is a conglomerate. Where you go in and everything's in one facility. The the blood, the, the GY, the primary, mm -hmm. the neurology. Everybody's in one right. office. And those places tend not to be really great to work for because you lose kind of the community vibe mm -hmm. and it becomes a little profit-driven. 
one day, hopefully one company will own everything and that one company will be the government and we'll have healthcare for all, but not to get political. So as it stands, I do worry that the sweet little practice I'm in could be swallowed up, although okay. I hope it's not. So if that happens, um, but I have independent practice, I would definitely try to negotiate a higher salary, salary. with a bigger company. Um, and then in terms of this company, again, I am taking new patients. I'm co- I'm having growth for the practice. So I think in a few years, once I am able to practice independently, I'd probably like to revisit the idea. Of a salary. Okay. So I think, honestly, I think you can definitely, I mean, and I'm I'm glad that you met with the person that I know who handles mortgages, but if he thinks that you can swing that financially, I would agree. I think it'll be a little tight initially. It'll be extra tight if I max out the 401k. So I tried to do the math on yeah, that. I wouldn't, I don't think I would max out the 401k. What I, Cause what happens is then if there's an emergency, now what? Right. You now have to either go to your 401k or go to your Roth. And I'd hate to see you pull money from that. Right. Because now you're not only you're going to be paying taxes, you're going to be paying an under 59 and a half penalty. Because if you take... Wow. Yeah. Do you know I'm, that? I did not know that. Okay. So if you take money out of your retirement... It's retire- not my money till I'm old. No, it's not your money till you're old. <laughs> wow. I know. <laughs> it's good to save for it, but it's also really important to have a cushion because those monies are meant for retirement. So therefore, the government penalizes you if you take it early. And mm-hmm. so if you're under 59 and a half and you take money out... And there's a couple of exceptions to that, which I'm not going to go through all the exceptions on the podcast, but if you don't meet an exception, aka your car breaks down and you need money to, you know, get your car Different towed. than a terminal illness or something Yeah, different like than that. a terminal illness or first-time home purchase or something to that effect or death or disability. Um, if you just take it out for, oh my God, we need groceries, we're hungry, right. you pay a 10% penalty plus the taxes. That's where the farm comes in. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. You, you, you're never going to be hungry. You're going to invite me over, right, when you have this yeah, for sure. homemade food? Okay. Um, so that's why I think initially, once you get your construction loan and you get the mortgage, um, I wouldn't max out the 401k until you build up an emergency fund. Do you know what an emergency fund is? I call it the oh shit fund. I yeah, or know. the oh shit fund. Yeah, yeah that works too. Rainy day fund, oh shit right. fund. But I usually try to keep three to six months of a mortgage plus expenses in a fund like that. That's exactly... To, you're really good. Did you have you listened to all the other podcasts? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Took the words right out of my mouth again. So yes, I would say three to six months of spending you want to have in cash, readily available. I always like to say it should be out of sight, out of mind, because you don't spend it on your regular month, you know, monthly expenses. Right. So I would do it I did another podcast and a girl had it set up where she had out of her paycheck and a uh, certain amount went to a separate bank account. And she did it for her car loan so that she always made sure it was paid because she's with the budgeting, but I would do the same thing. So you could have it set up to go to another account readily available, but not in your main checking account. Cause otherwise right. then what happens is like one month you go a little over and you're like, Oh, I took 200 out of the emergency fund, but it's fine. And then it goes from 200 to 400 to 600. And then you're eating away at it, not realizing. Right. So I think it's good to have it outside of mind. So I would build that up first because as you know, since you already owned a home, things go wrong. Like yeah. a pipe burst or the furnace goes or it's expensive. Totally. And you don't want to put that on a credit card. Right. And then if you have a house improvement project, what have you, those kind of things that feel like, oh, I really want a pergola, you know, you have to right. plan that in. You have to plan for that. So I would say I would get into your 401k. I maybe wouldn't max it out at the time being because I think, as we said, if you end up having to pull from your Roth or your 401k, that's terrible because you're so going to you're gonna lose so much. I guess I haven't thought, I know that owning a home is a good investment, but I haven't thought that much about how that compounds 
converses the compounding of a 401k. Okay. A home. So the, the hard part about the home is we don't know exactly what the value is going to be in the future because it depends on where you live and what the home prices are going to be. I would say right now it's, I think it's definitely a good investment because the interest rates are so low. So you're going to spend less on interest than you would. So for instance, when my dad and mom bought their first house, the interest rate was like 16 or 18%. Wow. <laughs> so compounding, yeah, exactly. Compounding interest is working a hundred percent against you. So to give you an idea, I believe if you bought, and this is the numbers are a little lesser than what you're going to spend, but if you bought a hundred and fifty thousand dollar home and put, I guess twenty thousand, thirty thousand down, so I had a mortgage of one hundred and twenty, one hundred and thirty over thirty years with four and a half percent interest, you'd pay about a hundred thousand in interest. So when you get your mortgage, you're going to do a thirty year, right? Mm-hmm. So that's important to do the 30-year because it gives you the flexibility if a month is really tight, you can still make your payment. 15 years of leaner mortgage, you're going to spend less in interest on the 15-year. but And I like that idea, but with where our numbers are, right. it's going to be really hard to make those monthly payments. And you don't want to be in a position where you can't make your mortgage. That's a terrible – talk about financial stress. That's a terrible feeling. You know, our last home was a 15-year mortgage. And so when I say I made $100,000, what I really mean is I got back $100,000. And part of the reason the number is so high is because you had a, I had a 15-year mortgage, mortgage and I had paid a substantial amount of it off. Yeah, because that's 100% true. Because with a 15-year, it's a leaner – mortgage, meaning that you pay less in interest and you're paying more principal than you would on a 30-year. And these numbers are 30 years, right? Yes. So 30-year is going to give you more wiggle room on a month-to-month basis, meaning your payment is going to be lower, but you can still have the same effect of a 15-year because what you can do, I love tricks, what you can do is a principal-only payment. So because you get paid, we should do your budget based on a 24-paycheck annual Mm -hmm. uh, cycle, and then those extra two payments you can use as a principal-only or an emergency fund. Great. Yeah, you can do one right to principal, and that'll be your principal-only payment for the year for the mortgage, which will reduce how much you're going to spend in interest over the 30 years, and effectively reduces your interest rate, right? Because you're going to pay less in interest. And then the other extra paycheck you have, you can put in the bank for an emergency fund. Smart. That's the way I would do it. So I would go back in with your 401k and look to do probably half the money that your parents suggested. Okay. Don't tell them if it lives. (laughs) It just until you get up and running because what you can do is you can always increase it so you could do the first year get because I agree with you I think getting the house built it's going to cost more money than you than they say right. right that's exactly what happens right so I would get in you in the house get the mortgage get the construction loan get that all taken care of and then give it a year build up the emergency fund so I'd have some cash available and then increase the 401k right until it's just on the edge of comfortable exactly because what happens is if you go in and do the whole thing at at the outset, and now you're building house, and now we go over. Now, where do you go for money? Right. Now what? Because I always like to think worst case scenario. We don't want to end up in a credit card, right? Because that's high interest. Right. And we don't want to end up pulling out of your Roth and your existing 401k because now we're paying 10% in a penalty and taxes yeah. on top of your already high salary. And I've seen it happen more times than I think most people realize just being in the healthcare field about things that strike from left field. I and people it. are so unprepared. An illness or disability of any sort can derail your entire life, and you I don't want to have to move out of my home. People, yeah, people don't realize, like, I, and I would imagine you see it too, but I, I see it as well, where it's better to plan for worst-case scenario and ease your way into a situation like what I'm saying. Don't match out the 401k and build a house <laughs> and move all in one year, because then, God forbid, something goes wrong, and that's the time it will go wrong. Right. Now you're really in trouble. Right. So ease your way into it. You can build the house, start your 401k, and then next year we can increase it. And then every time you get a raise, what I would do is split it with yourself. So take 1% for, like, let's say you get a 2% raise. The practice Mm -hmm. is like, you're doing a great job. You've been here 
just about a year. You brought in all these new patients. We're billing at 70%. This is fantastic. We're going to give you a 3% raise. Great. One and a half goes into the 401k and one and a half goes in your pocket. Half for today, half for tomorrow. Okay. It's an easy way to keep increasing it. Or one and a half could go to the uh, Roth or something. Yeah, or something like that. Well, I like that you're a saver. Yeah, exactly. you know, I think if we can get by, we don't spend a ton of money. So I think... Because, yeah, I think we kind of went a little roughly through your budget, but the car payment seems to be the biggest thing. We have no rent right now at the moment. Right. And the expenses that I anticipate are expenses associated with just running the home. Okay. And, uh, you know, we have a food budget, but we try to do a lot of outdoor activities as our entertainment, and it helps keep the cost of things down. So... Oh, definitely. The one thing I got growing up a lot was it's not what you make, it's what you spend. And so if you make a ton of money, but you spend a ton of money... It's that not is, doing you any favors. That's a gr- uh, great thing. Because I have people saying to me all the time, how much do I need to save for retirement? Because I do a lot of work with retirees. And it really comes down to your budget. Because I've had people come in here who have 3 or $4 million for retirement, but they're spending $300,000 a year. Well, your money doesn't go as far. Right. Like if your budget's 50000 a year and you have a million dollars saved, it's very different than if you have $3 million and your budget's 300 something thousand a year. Right. So, yeah, your budget is key to making all of this work. Your money goes much farther if you have a budget and you stick to a plan. I'm grateful to be where I am right now because 30 years from now is my retirement. So if I can retire having paid off my house, that really changes... Yep, and we have 30 years to save. So they're both of the way I like to think about it, if you can do a visual, mm-hmm. it is both trains are running at the same time. Yeah. So you're building your own savings, right? That's the 401k train. And you're increasing your equity in your home, and you're going to have that paid off. And that's 100% an asset. So they're going at the same exact time. And at some point, they come together, right? Right. So now we have a fully paid off house, right? That's worth 500, probably more in the future. Let's just say it's worth 700,000 in the future. And then you have a 401k that you totally saved and we're debt free. Amazing. That's where you want to be. That's exactly where I want to be. Yeah. <laughs> okay. we'll, there. yeah, we'll get you there. We'll get you there. <laughs> so we normally do a six month checkup, but we're not going to do a 30 year checkup because I hope I'm retired too in 30 years. People probably want to have podcasts then. They'll be like just osmosising through the air. Yeah, probably. The information like, they need. You won't even need an app. You right. just like dial it up somehow. With your eyeball. Yeah, with oh your eyeball. God. But yeah, I like to do a six month checkup. So I'd like to see where you are in six months, but I would say start with the 401k and I would do probably 50% of what your parents had suggested just mm-hmm. to get you in. And then I like the idea of the five, no more than 500000 because that was so, what was recommended. And then we can kind of go over when we do the checkup about how much you could do as a principal-only payment because you'll have a better idea of where you were budget-wise with getting this house built. Right. I do have a question for you between now sure. and then. I don't anticipate moving into the house any sooner than a year. Okay. I also can't contribute to my 401k for a year. So oh. everything I make for Put the it- next year... Should it go towards the emergency fund? Should it go towards... Wow, so you have a year before you can participate in the 401k. Yeah. Oh, we should have actually asked you that. Yeah, there's usually a waiting period, and I forgot to ask you. Right. So what I would do is I would get the emergency... The first thing I would always do is get the emergency fund built. Once Mm -hmm. you get the emergency fund, I'm like torn between having you do the Roth IRA and put, you know, 5,500 in there or just put extra cash just for the time being because I'm just afraid that you might run over with the construction. Right. Get the emergency fund number one, and then I would add a little bit more to the cash account because what you could always do next year when we're in 2019, if we ended up, let's say, being at budget for the construction, then we could always do a Roth for you, and you can do a spouse or Roth for your wife. Mm-hmm. So you could essentially double the – so she could put 5500 in hers, and you could do 5500 to yours. 
but I would keep it in cash until you get the construction going because I'm just afraid that's going to run over. Right. So step one, emergency fund. Step two, house. And then when we get the house built and we're, depending where we are budget-wise, you have too much in the emergency fund, you can do a Roth for both you and your wife. Perfect. Sound good? Sounds like a plan. All right, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on our show. Thanks for having me. I've been feeling anxious at this particular moment with everything in turmoil, but I feel you like have a straighter path. Yeah, you're doing a great job. You're doing a fantastic job. I'm really excited for you. Thank so you. maybe we should do your follow-up in a little more than six months so when we when you have the house kind of up and running. Yeah, I should come back when I have the key in my hand. Yeah, come back when That's you have it. the key, and then that'll be your follow-up. We'll go, we'll go over your budget, how much you should do a principal-only payment, Make sure the 401k is set up because it sounds like we're going to have a year. So right. for the next year, we're going to build up the emergency funding, some of the cash. Great. I'd be happy to come back. All right. Perfect. Well, thank you very much. And once again, this is the Planantial Podcast. And you can check out, we actually do a whole class on home buying. And you can check that out at www.planantial.com. And you can see our online classes. All right. We'll see you next time. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.